Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. We somehow managed to miss the political review of what's going on here in the last month completely, so I think it's my duty to start with it, especially since, well, a lot of important things have actually happened, and um, some of them might be of actual concern to you, even those living far away from Russia and in the Western countries. More than usual, even I would say. See, for starters, President Vladimir Putin signed off on a new national security strategy for Russia on July the 3rd. This latest version builds upon the ideas contained in the previous strategy, which was signed into law on December 31st, 2015. Even then, Putin proclaimed that Russia is... This is going to be one of those awesome great quotes. Surrounded by enemies who are trying to infringe upon the country using methods ranging from military pressure to the spread of extremist ideas. And uh, we'll talk about some of these extremist ideas a bit later here. Don't worry. But the latest charter goes further still. Indeed, it even recognizes an even wider range of national security threats, including, but not limited to, online activities of transnational corporations. Yes, that's a global threat. Twitter is going to kill everyone. Also, then there is the westernization of culture, even though that has happened throughout the Russian history forever, like the other way around too. So, yeah. And, of course, the imposition of foreign moral values. Because, as we know, objective morality absolutely exists, and it's country-based. For example... Absolute morality in Germany means different things than absolute morality, say, in India or whatever. Yeah, that's how it definitely works. And of course, the destructive impact of profanity on the Russian language. Well, if we talk about profanity in the Russian language, then... um, Yeah, I think Russian language would be dead by now, but it's not so simple. It never was. Remember my Mott episode, for example. It is just weird. But there's a new Russia's security strategy... And, uh, oh boy, it's a fun one. So, what did the 2015 strategy actually say? Well, comrades, back in 2015, uh, we weren't airing yet, so I'm gonna have to do that one for you as well. See, Moscow's 2015 national security strategy outlined the idea that the West, in general, all of us together here, are 
putting permanent pressure on Russia in order to undermine the country's military, foreign policy, economic and cultural achievements. As stated in the document from 2015, the Russian Federation's implementation of an independent foreign and domestic policy is giving rise to the opposition from the United States and its allies who are seeking to retain their dominance in world affairs. The policy of containing Russia that they are implementing envisions the exertion of political, economic, military and informational pressure on it. And, well, Moscow decided to deal with this pressure by opposing the United States and its allies, as well as their armies and intelligence agencies, and persons who are trying to orchestrate <clears throat> so-called color revolutions inside of Russia. And then they um, kind of put in as a second minor thing, developing the country and increasing its self-reliance. Now, this new 2021 national security strategy takes these same ideas up a notch outlining the necessity of, quote, fighting not only against extremists who undermine Russia's constitutional order, but also against those who are spreading Western influence in the country, including the Western cultural and ethical influence. Again, ethical influence? Seriously, guys? I mean, that makes no sense. Um, and with my philosophy degree, it just makes absolutely no sense, because... Ethics is kind of like physics in a way that, if it exists, it should apply everywhere at the same time, at least. And sure, sure, you physicists, I know about the theory of relativity and everything, but at least on this planet or something. Ethics are not dilated by gravity, unlike time and whatnot, you see. But that's okay. Then, then there's the second point. Quote, Russia should become even more self-reliant. According to the authors of the strategy, Russia should build itself a new, self-sufficient, high-tech economy with a low share of hydrocarbons in its energy production. In other words, Russia should gradually transition away from an economy based on fossil fuels and, without external help, catch up with the West in terms of technological development. This, however, is literally nothing new. Uh, Russia has been stating this as their goal since 2000 or something, so... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this is kind of, um, you know, they got a bit of a drawback for developing the country, not being big enough in the previous strategy, so this is the new one, I suppose. But um, they also spoke about taking on new so-called threats. When it comes to defense, see, in Russia, people think that the threat of a military clash between Russia and its enemies has grown over the past five and a half years. At least, that's how the 2021 strategy puts it, because... Seems to me that they're kind of right, but not in the way that, that they word it, really. In particular, the strategy underscores the fact that Russia is under increased threat due to NATO drawing closer to its borders and the development of Washington's missile defense system is destroying our system of strategic stability. As stated in the document, the strengthening of military dangers and military threats to the Russian Federation is facilitated by attempts to exert pressure on Russia, its allies and partners, the build-up of NATO's military infrastructure near Russian borders, the intensification of intelligence activities, and uh, this is a brilliant thing, mm, practicing the use of large military formations and nuclear weapons against the Russian Federation. Now, yeah, sure, we, um, we, we heard over here, you know, in Lafayette about various NATO... Um, NATO exercises, which have happened and will happen, and they're going to be here in late July. My, my half-brother is going to participate in them, and uh, I'm pretty sure that some of you listeners uh, might even meet him at some point, because, hey guys, uh, I know that you, some people of you at least, 
you know, actually listen to the show, but um, I wonder, how many of you get to practice nuking someone in any NATO exercises? Or, or, do they have, or do they have special nuking exercises somewhere else? I have no idea. I have no clue how can you practice using nukes on someone, but, but it is what it is. I mean, what can you do? Apparently, apparently, we, the collective evil West, definitely intend to nuke everything and, and then some, obviously. Now, to counteract these threats, the Russian government plans to develop new means of strategic deterrence. Basically, make some sort of new means of delivery for, for their own nukes. As well as increasing mobilization readiness by, quote, preparing the economy, government agencies, and the armed forces to protect the state against armed attack and meet the needs of the state and the population during wartime. And also, they want to offer military patriotic education and want to prepare citizens for military service. Because, well, conscription, obviously, is a thing. But that's, that's, just the, that's just the defense part, because if you've been a listener to the show, you understand that Russia's main issues are with its economy. Since, well, even my people who listen to me from Russia itself, they, they are very concerned about this whole issue, and they're, they're more worried about, you know, the, their own fridge rather than their own rocket, because I highly doubt that, um, that each of these people will be able to pull out, you know, their potatoes and sausage from their rocket, but hey, who knows, maybe one day, one day, you know. However, the economy part. The 2015 strategy reported on the Russian authorities' successful development on the economy and introduction of the import substitution program. These successes, the document's authors claimed, provoked jealousy from the West. Uh, yeah, and, you know, this import substitution program has, um, has been a massive, massive failure. They, um, you know, because right now you can buy, um, for example, shrimp and lobsters made in Belarus. Belarus, the fine, um, fine cult, cult, the fine country of Belarus where, where totally all the world's seas are there and they're totally not a landlocked country. Belarusian shrimp and Belarusian lobsters, of course, yeah. And the fact that we, literally um, 80% of their dairy products are what you would call dairy imitation. For you American people out there, it's like they're selling the, your craft slices as cheese often. Of course, if you're wealthy enough, you can go and buy some real cheese, but yeah, a lot of the cheese is just going into landfills and being demolished, and that hasn't worked that well for them. And Ida Flot still is flying on French engines, which they have a hard time of fixing. It's a bit of a mess, so no one knows how this will work out, and I hope it does, because like I said, um, a lot of people in Russia are generally suffering because of all this bizarro idea that, that some sort of import should be prohibited or whatever, but, but it's just a weird economical story, really. However, well, that was the previous report, because in 2015, maybe they... Maybe they thought that all of this is going to work out, you know, peachy and everything. But, um, yeah, by, by comparison, the 2021 National Security Strategy talks less about successes, obviously, you know, makes sense, and more about the world being plunged into a deep recession. Uh, contrary to the fact that, as of at least right now, July 2021, many of the world's economies have generally recovered from the coronavirus crisis, but Russia is just using some of their own things to basically blame another mega-global recession on everything. 
I really don't know about any mega global recessions, so that was a surprise for me. And I actually, you know, follow financial news. I I kind of have to at this point. I also follow uh, Copa America and, and Euros. Let's see how those turn out, really. But uh, yeah, crazy. Whereas previously, economic growth was considered a part of the foundations of Russia's national security, the new strategy describes growth at a rate exceeding the world's average as an apparently distant goal to strive for. Indeed, it's not the most important aim, even. Strengthening the country's economic sovereignty and economic resilience in the face of external and internal threats both take precedence over some sort of a mystical growth. Now, what are they going to do about it? Well, to strengthen Russia's economic sovereignty, which is the most important part right now, instead of any, you know, actual growth or, or whatnot, the government obviously needs to, quote, develop the national infrastructure of financial markets, including payment infrastructure, and overcome, quote, dependence on third countries in this sphere. Also, they state that they need to reduce foreign trade in dollars, as well as dependence on imports, including high-tech imports, which is, that is, the, that is a fair thing. I mean, they are trading um, their oil in dollars or in yuan, and they're trading very little oil in, in rubles. So that could be a deterrent for them. And yeah, they have a massive importance on high-tech imports. Like I said, Aeroflot flies with French engines, and a lot of the hydro hydroelectric stations which provide electricity are run by Siemens turbines. And yeah, specifically in high-tech industries, yeah, even the products that are kind of Russian-made, are basically built by, built together by, by Western parts, which is a major issue, issue in their economy. What's worse, though, is I recently recently watched an interview with Dmitry Potapenko, and, um, and he basically provided statistics, together with his colleagues Tjepan Demura, both economists and businessmen, where he provided the statistics that 80% of, kind of, uh, kind of the, the feed that you give to your livestock is also foreign-made because Russia's agricultural sector, which is traditionally large, it kind of is, has gotten thrown by the wayside lately, and the the farmers can't get enough of, of subsidies from the government, and yeah, the, the quality of kind of this special food, which is to produce more milk and, and stuff to, towards livestock, yeah, Russians, the Russian quality of this product has apparently has, you know, gone down due to their import or importing reliance stuff being gone down, and they they still need to import now at all wholesale. So this part about dependence on imports, yeah, I kind of could understand that. However, at the same time, they want to increase the share of investments in the economy without the help of foreign direct investment, which is obviously going to be a bit hard. On the contrary, the government is expected to strengthen control over foreign investment in strategically important sectors. In addition, in the long run, Oil and other raw materials should not form the basis of Russian economy. Instead, the government needs to ensure, quote, the restructuring of the national economy on a modern technological basis and its diversification and development on the basis of the use of low-carbon technologies. But, you know, to do that, you kind of need to invest in technology. So, National Security Plan 2021 talks about that one too. The plan outlines its own kind of vision to make Russia a leader in scientific and technological technological development while keeping this development under total state control, which, uh, yeah, gonna be a bit rough for you guys. The plan to achieve this includes, quote, 
attracting the quote, and I, I, I kid you not, this is a real quote, world's best scientists, and quote, to work in Russia and establishing centers for international cooperation in the fields of science and technology in the country. That said, that said, remember, attracting world's best scientists, and if there's a thing or two I know about scientific people, they don't like much oversight. That is why the academia is generally quite removed from any politics whatsoever, as it should be. However, in this case, and I've mentioned um, mentioned previously that, you know, Russian scientists have issues even with working with foreign scientists and their self-censorship about the ecological situation in Siberia that happened in May. Right now, they've decided that the security forces, obviously, will monitor both the scientific field and the researchers working in it to prevent Russian technologies and research developments from being illegally transferred abroad. Yes, science, modern science doesn't work that way. I collaborate with people, I read a lot of sources, I get books sent to me. I wouldn't be able to just sit here and not involve myself in the goings-on in the world and still make the show. And as far as I know, Korolev, even though a great scientist and an engineer, well, yeah, he built the rockets from a prison camp, basically, and uh, I have a hard time really coinciding all this, all these security measures and, and constant overwatch by security forces, state security forces, together with attracting the world's best scientists. The salaries would have to be ridiculously good, but even then, I kind of doubt that people would you know, be extremely happy to work in such an environment. Secondly, having civilian science work in close cooperation with the defense complex. Uh, okay. And finally, promoting innovation in business and research, as well as creating a unified state system for managing scientific, technological, and innovative activities. I'm not exactly sure that someone who wrote the science and technology part really hasn't, you know, left their own heads and minds inside of 1980s Soviet Union or something, but hey, this this looks like the completely shady part. But generally speaking, the main goal of Russia's scientific and technological development is to ensure the country's technological independence, as well with everything. And then we come to cybersecurity, because we always do at this point. This is the 21st century, after all. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of The Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Rusansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code EASTERNBORDER for a discount on us. Remember, head over to Rusansov.com and happy shopping! If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. This podcast Brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy! And yes, the section on information security includes the most changes. It's the most fun one. It's supposedly now fully in line with the spirit of the times. Among all the other weirdness, it states that, quote, 
Russia's enemies include international tech companies that attack the country by spreading unverified information and blocking what the state considers socially important information. Also known as, oh, Facebook and Twitter, you're, you're evil because you, you, you block our trolls and it's bad. Or something. And they also just refuse to delete information, I suppose. But yeah, a bit, bit miserable. Secondly, and this is personal favorite of mine, is, you know, this is, this is 90% of the time a history show. Mm, quote, a distorted view of historical facts as well as events taking place in the Russian Federation and in the world are imposed on, inter for, on internet users for political reasons. This is a meme now. <clears throat> I am sorry for imposing, imposing a distorted view on historical facts on you guys. Then again, I'm not Russian Federation, but still, it's kind of kind of interesting that uh, apparently I, like every week or every week or so, or a bit, bit over every week, I come into your houses and your headphones and I impose history on you. Oh no, oh no. <clears throat> In Soviet Russia, history imposes you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I... I wish I had those powers to impose... Uh, impose myself on the internet users, but I'm, I'm not sure how, how that would work out, really. But still, this is... This document was, was one of the most fun experiences making this show. Like, much better than the previous Chechen episode where I nearly cried and got depressed. This... This, guys, was awesome. Further on, let's continue with this insanity. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The use of information and communication technologies is expanding to interfere in the internal affairs of states, undermine their sovereignty, and violate their territorial integrity. Internet sites contain materials from terrorist and extremist organizations. I'll, I'll get to this after this, this tiny little part. As well as calls for mass riots carrying out extremist activities and participation in illegal public events. The main target of this destructive influence is the youth. Now, I said before, terrorist and extremist organizations. Well then, let's look at who is an extremist prohibited organization over there by Putin's government in Russia. Let's look at two of these. One of them is Alexei Navalny's Fond Barbis Korupcije, or Fond for Battling Corruption. Navalny is, well, banned in Russia. Navalny wants to complete in free elections. And that's about it. Then there's Taliban, who are also banned in Russia. 
they don't want to complete, compete in free elections, but they've engaged in armed conflict with Russians and with the United States, they've staged terrorist attacks, they are also permitted press conferences in downtown Moscow, and they've also been invited for negotiations with the foreign ministry. See, on July 8, 2021, a delegation from the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, which is, as well as you know, Taliban, visited Moscow and met with representatives of Russia's foreign ministry for formal talks about unrest at Afghanistan's border with Tajikistan. And these negotiations took place despite the fact that the Russian government has banned the Taliban as a terrorist organization. So, blowing up things, not extremist enough to get banned. Free elections? Hmm. You're gonna go to prison for that, comrade. And, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that free elections is something that really does involve the youth, but, um, I don't know. Do, do I now have materials from extremist organizations? I, I guess I do. But, um, hey. Well, I, I probably should re-qualify myself. I should just uh, start reading whatever Taliban prints and, and start talking about that. As, as we can clearly see, Taliban is way less extremist than Navalny's organization. As much as you can criticize Navalny, and you have to for a lot of things, he's not, a, he's not an angel by any means, but hey, he's sitting in Russia's, Russian prison as a political prisoner. Meanwhile, Taliban is just hanging out there in foreign ministry. So, I, I, I guess, I guess, so Navalny is worse than Taliban now? So, that made me chuckle a bit. Anyway, because of all this mess and because of all these new threats, the government needs to strengthen Russia's sovereignty in the information sphere through a wide range of vague measures, including, quote, again, this is going to be good, guys, the development of forces and means of information confrontation, I love means of information confrontation. It's kind of kind of rap-like even. It's artsy. It rhymes. Improving the means and methods of ensuring information security through the use of advanced technologies, including AI technologies and quantum computing. And, uh, of course, quote, bringing reliable information about the Russian Federation's domestic and foreign policy to the Russian international community. Hey, I'm literally doing that right now. I mean... I'm giving you the information about their policies to international community? Wow, never thought I would, but hey, I suppose so. And then we come to the cultural and spiritual values, which are obviously put together. So, according to the 2021 National Security Strategy, remember, National Security Strategy, traditional Russian spiritual and moral values include, first and foremost, quote, life, Dignity, human rights, and freedoms. Unless you're an extremist who wants free elections, then no. Patriotism, citizenship, service to the fatherland, and responsibility for its fate. High moral ideals. Uh, of which country? Except, you know, um, you can't have high moral ideals if they're Western high moral ideals. No, 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 comrade. No German high moral ideals. Put, take your high moral ideals and put them in a box and mail them back to Germany. Even better, send them across the pond to the United States. Come on. And a strong family. Then, of course, <clears throat> constructive work. Whatever that means, but fine. Then, uh, then we come to something which uh, kind of shows me that... Um, that yeah, their, their science category was really written by someone who's still stuck in the late 80s, probably transferring money and holding on to his MMM 
little bells for, for more security and everything. Quote, Priority of the spiritual over the material. Well, I suppose they're gonna invent new spiritual Sputnik V vaccines, I suppose. And then comes humanism, mercy, and justice. And finally, finally something which uh, struck me as kind of odd, really, because this has um, this this hasn't been in there previously, and and something which would be really f- actually fought into the West, something which they define as you know one of the Russian traditional spiritual and moral values, and something that is definitely you know definitely would seem extremely strange to the United States people, absolutely strange, and I guess quite strange to a lot of a lot of Western Europeans as well. But it's a thing. One of their main values which they put a lot of stress in and consider it extremely Russian, is collectivism. Individualism has never been really viewed as something that beneficial and great inside of Russia, but now they've literally put this on their national security paper, that they need collectivism. Kind of, you know, Soviet Union was also collectivist for their own country to, to prosper, which I find weird. And if you look at all this situation, then um, at the same time, the strategy defines that, quote, traditional Russian spiritual, moral, cultural, and historical values, uh, even though we didn't really see any historical values here, but whatever, are being actively attacked by the United States and its allies, as well as by transnational corporations. Allegedly, there have been an informational and psychological influence them on individual, group, and public consciousness by spreading social and moral attitudes that contradict the traditions, convictions, and beliefs of the peoples of the Russian Federation. So if you have objections of of being, I don't know, a collectivist, then I suppose uh, you're attacking everything and ruining their youth. Taliban, Taliban's okay. Taliban can just come over and, you know, go to the foreign ministry, help press conferences. Taliban's fine. Taliban doesn't really offend collectivism, I suppose. I mean... Taliban's cool. Now, now those free election things, that smells of individualism, comrades. Russia plans to defend itself from all this horror of, um, of not Taliban, no, 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 not Taliban, free elections and Navalny, who sits in prison, but, you know. Russia intends to defend itself by, quote, drawing up a state order on the creation of works of literature and fine art, as well as cinema, theater, television, video, and online productions, and the provision of services aimed at preserving traditional Russian cultural and spiritual and moral values, protecting the historical truth and preserving historical memory, and ensuring quality control over implementation of the state order. Secondly, they want to protect and support Russian as the Federation's state language, strengthening control over the observance of the rules of the modern Russian literary language, and suppressing public performances and the distribution through the mass media of productions that contain words and expressions that don't meet the specified linguistic norms, including profanity. Well, what can I say? Oi, pizdiets. They're broken. But, uh... Yeah, they've been they've been fighting Mott, I guess, for a long time already, and really, I don't understand why, because you have to kind of acknowledge that part, and it can be done with quality and well, but I suppose this this purifying of language in a way is is meant to kind of standardize the way of thought. I'm not exactly sure why why this is as important. Maybe because of the collectivism, but but really, in a national security plan, this purge of language seems. Kind of out of place, don't you think? Kind of weird that you'd speak about language issues in, in such a such a thing, really. 
Then, of course, we have, a, we have a thing about protecting Russian society from the expansion of external ideologies and values. Death to individualism and, and those free election things. That's, that's not for us, really. And destructive external informational and psychological influence. Then, also, quote, the Russian government needs to provide spiritual, moral, and patriotic education based on historical and modern examples, developing the collective foundations of Russian society and supporting socially significant initiatives, including charitable projects and volunteer movements. These need to enhance Russia's role in the global humanitarian, cultural, scientific, and educational sphere. And if anyone wants to take bets on how that, that whole thing is going to work out, then, um, hey, I'm open for, for your advice. And then there was a section on international cooperation. Now, this section remained largely unchanged. Russia still plans to protect those whose sovereignty is being encroached upon by the West. It promises its allies and partners, which are basically Belarus and Tajikistan and Uzbekistan and all those little stands and whatnot, <clears throat> support in neutralizing attempts at external interference in their internal affairs. And in addition, the Russian government plans to provide support to compatriots living abroad in the exercise of their rights, including the right to preserve an all-Russian cultural identity. And, of course, they speak about strengthening fraternal ties between the Russian, Belarusian, and Ukrainian peoples. Now, kind of goes... kind of goes... kind of... this whole thing goes two ways, because if you want to strengthen the rights of Russian people living abroad and preserving their own identity, shouldn't you kind of allow non-Russians living in Russia to preserve their own national identity. Furthermore, those people who are non-Russians and living in Russia have been living there for ever, for ages. Like Tatars and, 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 and everyone in the Caucasus, Ingushs and all those people, so they need to become totally Russian. But the people who are Russians abroad, they need to remain Russian. I, kind of a bit of a, a bit of a hypocrisy, really. Kind of Kind of weird, though. But, um, but yeah, this, this wasn't the final thing. The final thing was, well, there was, again, just like in previous political episode, we spoke about um, the Putin's address, the state of the nation. And then again, also what happened was direct line 2021. See, this is a thing that Putin does every year. Last year, Putin's annual call-in show, which is supposedly call-in, where Putin just sits and people just can call him and send him questions and he answers them live and it usually lasts for four hours. Yeah, last year that was cancelled due to the COVID epidemic. But on Wednesday, June 30th, the direct line made its return to national TV. And despite some technical hiccups, Putin answered questions from Russian residents for four hours straight. Now, thankfully, I didn't really watch all of this, but my colleagues at Medusa did. And they were kind enough to sum up Putin's most interesting remarks about vaccination against COVID-19. Extremely hyper-local issues, which are the most questions given there. And, well, his presidency, in a nutshell. So. Putin, apparently, got the Sputnik V vaccine. But he says that the other Russian vaccine, Epivac Corona, is a good vaccine too. Vaccination against the COVID is a must. There is, however, no national plan for mandatory vaccination, but the law allows the regional authorities to introduce mandatory vaccination for certain groups of people. The government is taking steps to curb rising prices which are caused by changing conditions on world markets. 
<clears throat> another, another nice answer is, even if Russia had sunk the British warship, it's hard to imagine that the world would be on the brink of World War III. Russia will not ban foreign social networks, but they are pushing us away. Like I said, national security plan, three days later, makes sense. Russia had an easier time getting through the most acute phase of the coronavirus pandemic, thanks in part to the current convocation of the state Duma. Voters should appreciate the dedication of lawmakers who fell ill with the coronavirus, four of whom died. Putin will speak to the governor of the, of the Zabaykaisky Krai about raising salaries for firefighters, environmental problems in Omsk will be dealt with. Pskov will have clean water, and the roof will be fixed at a kindergarten in Novokuznetsk. The president is subordinate to the Russian people. Putin has dif difficulty retaining his German and English vocabulary. How do you cope with adversity? You have to treat it as inevitable. The main thing is to believe that you are on the right track and move towards the goal that you set for yourself like an icebreaker. Putin hopes that his main achievements as president are still to come. So that's four hours of Putin speaking totally important things for everyone in a nutshell. And that is it for today. I really enjoyed doing an episode on the strategic defense plan because, well, still didn't have much on the defense, except that now we know that Russia considers itself to be a fully collectivist country, and that Taliban is better than Navalny, and many other interesting things that kind of don't stitch together if you look at them, you know, in, in total. However, good news, the website's back, but we're still working on, you know, remaking it to the previous deal with, um, with some people who offered help on making it a company, kind of fell through because... They charged a bit too much, and I didn't really like their final results. Really just couldn't get what we wanted from them. But the old website's back, and we're working on the new one, which is great. I wanna do the squared space thing, maybe? Um, I'm not sure, really. Um, hey, another nice thing, if, if anyone wants to give me a sponsorship from the square space, I might as well do that, because we, uh, we spent a bit of time and money on, on working on that part. But website's back, so you can go there. You can um, click on the Russian soft part, and you can support us by clicking on the PayPal button there. You can leave comments, you can listen to all the episodes without ads. All those nice things. We'll get back to historical episodes as soon as I get back from some um, medical procedures. But it's, it looks like it's going to be great. This year is at least looking better than the previous one. Well, some episodes are also going to make me sad further on. And we're going to make an episode about um, how World of Warcraft actually is quite a lot like a Soviet prison. That's going to be, well, our delayed anniversary episode, because we didn't make one, and now we will, so treat that as an extra comedy one. I'll, I'll warn you beforehand when it comes out, and it's going to be an additional episode, so that the people who are in here for very serious stuff really don't get offended. But yeah, thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this show. And maybe, maybe just think about how your government's national security strategy differs from the Russian one. Because I had a lot of fun. No, really. If you listen to all this, all this documentation, it just provides a lot more entertainment than thinking about brutal wars and, and various tragedies. And see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. 
If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The Dark Myths Void. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.